couple weeks, I'm going to start a series after that. But over the next uh, two weeks, this week and next week, I usually like to preach in series. But um, over the next two weeks, I had a little bit of a free free week, and I wasn't really sure why. I'm not talking to you, Siri. I'm not talking to you. Um, she's very helpful, but she listens. At least she's listening to the sermon. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying you're not. But I, um, we had kind of a, a, a couple weeks to kind of have just some, some freedom in what the Lord wanted to say. And um, I, I wasn't sure why. And it was Sunday. Me and Pastor Ron were going to go to brunch and uh, talk. We were talking about, called them to talk about the service. And, and we're, you know, we're laughing and joking and we're making plans. And then um, we're, we're, I don't know how we're both on social media at the same time. Um, but we're on the social media, and then we start getting these weird reports that Kobe Bryant had died. And we're like, oh, this is some kind of scam, some kind of Sunday morning um, thing, some sort of, you know, whatever. And uh, we're talking, and we're like, man, this, this, this probably can't be true. And, you know, you know how things on social media are, and then it starts going, and then we're sitting there, and we're talking, and then we realize that uh, the news about this is true. And I don't know uh, for me and for him, but I can tell you for me, I just, I just, I just sat down, and I just put my phone down, and we we canceled the brunch. And it's one of those things where you know we value life and we value people, and it's not that anyone who dies is more valuable than anyone anyone else. But there are some people, especially in the black community, that have a way of being role models and being public figures and being people that people look up to. And I, as I as I watched an experience this week, as some of you have, um, there was something that kept coming up in my spirit, something that kept raising up that God was shaping and forming to talk to you about. And I want to talk today about bad news. I want to talk about bad news. And I want to lift this from the book of John chapter 11. And I want to set it up. It's, it's kind of a long verses to read. But I want to read this, and I want to talk about this for the next few minutes. Beginning, I believe I have them, beginning at verse, um, what verse have you at, 17? Yeah, verse 17. John 11, verse 17. I want to read this portion to kind of give us the backstory. Jesus is friends with a group of people. It's who he kind of does life with outside of the disciples. It's who he kind of hangs with. He have these this little family, uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They're like his best friends, like his group where he used to go and kind of hang out. You know, Jesus didn't have a house. He didn't really have anywhere to live permanently. He was doing his ministry. And this was a place where he could kind of unwind and rest and relax. It was kind of his safe haven. The Bible says when Jesus arrived at Bethany, I'm sure he was looking forward to getting there, right? He was looking forward to seeing, seeing his family. He was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Someone told him bad news. Someone told him that one of his best friends had died. He got some bad news. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, 
And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She ran out. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha went to go see Jesus. He heard Jesus is finally coming because Jesus was told that Lazarus was sick. But Jesus intentionally, or it seems that he intentionally waited until Lazarus died. He didn't show up right away. This is the same Jesus with the power to heal people. He's healed other sick people. They know that. But here's his family, his best friends. And he takes his time, and he doesn't show up on time. And Mary feels some type of way about it. She's in her feelings about it. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. Has anybody ever felt that way? Someone next to you or close to you dies? God, why won't you hear? Why, don't, weren't you, why didn't you prevent the accident? Why didn't you prevent the diagnosis? Why weren't you there? Why, what happened? Because if you would have been there, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you, you're the one that's all-powerful. You're the one that's all-knowing. Why, why didn't you stop this? Why weren't you there? Martha's upset. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever she asks. She's hopeful. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everybody else rises on the last day. That's how some people do it. When bad news comes, they start getting theological. Start talking about theology. Well, we believe in this and we believe that and take it to religion real quick. Trying to make sense of what's happening. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? I'm sure Martha's like, yeah, great time. Jesus, great words. I don't need a sermon right now. Like, I don't want you to preach to me. I love you, Jesus. Hey, this is me. Like, this is not your disciples. This is us. Like, turn that off, right? Can you just, I'm trying to tell you that if you were here, he wouldn't die. I feel a little way about that. Right? Sometimes I think God can handle those kind of conversations. I don't know if you've somebody taught you, like, you can't question God or you can't pray those kind of prayers. Sometimes you got to pray to God. Can I, can I go even further? Sometimes you cuss God out. I think it's better to cuss God out than cuss everybody else around you. I think it's better to deal with God than abuse everyone else around you with your issue with him. You might as well take it to him. He knows about it. He can handle that. So she's a, little, she's a little testy. She's going back and forth. Yes, Lord, I've always believed you're the Messiah, Son of God, the one who's come to raise the world. Yeah, 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 I get that. Then she turned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here. He wants to see you. Now, Jesus didn't say that. Right? <laughs> she's, just, she's just trying to, you know, she's just, she does that a lot. If you read the, this relationship with Mary and Martha, Martha's, Martha's the older sister, I'm guessing, and she's trying to pull everybody together, and she's lying. You know Jesus want to talk to you, right? right so she's throwing, throwing her under the bus a little bit. So Mary went to him immediately. And Jesus, look at this, Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. Jesus hasn't even come to the house yet. Like the house, the hospital's here, and Jesus is outside. The, he's not even coming there yet. They're coming back and forth from there. 
When the people who were in the house consoling Mary saw that her leave hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell on his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Same speech, right? That's what they all, they're trying to make sense of it. Jesus, I just want you to know this. If you had been here, nothing would have happened. When Jesus saw her weeping, look at this. Look at the Bible. Look at, look at Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and he saw other people weeping for her, look what the Bible says. A deep anger welled up in, within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked him. Jesus is angry? What you mad about, Jesus? Like, can we just be real in here with the text? Like, let's not save Jesus from this. Let's not save him. Let's ask a real question. What you mad about? Why are you angry? What are you upset about? You're your best friend's dying, you're outside the village, you're not showing up, what, what's up? I'm confused. But something's happening in Jesus. Something is stirring up inside of him. Let me say it like this. Jesus is emotional. I'm going to say it on this side. Jesus is emotional. Whoever told you emotional is not godly is not reading this. This is Jesus, the one who could have fixed it. He's emotional. He's angry. He's troubled. Now let's get to where I really want to preach. Because I see you listening. They told him, like Pastor Ron said last, last week, the people... The mourners that were hired, they started saying something to Jesus. They're jumping in because anytime there's a bunch of mess, there's always some flies. You can write that down later. Okay. So the, <laughs> the Lord told him, they told him, Lord, come and see. Here's, here's, here's what I want to preach right here. Shortest verse in the Bible. It doesn't say it in this translation. Other translations say it better. I'm going to say it in another translation. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. That's what I want to preach right there. Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he even have kept Jesus or Lazarus from dying? Jesus wept. There, there's a great theological question in that statement that Jesus wept let me put this on the screen this is what we know about Jesus he was fully God and fully human I don't know how to explain it I don't know how to put it into great language it's just something we believe that Jesus was Fully God and fully human. He had within him the capacity and the range of the fullness of God. 
and the capacity and range of the fullness of the human experience. He was fully God and fully man. He wasn't partly man and partly God. He wasn't more God than he was man or more man than he was God. The Bible explains to us that he was fully God and fully man. If he's fully God, then he understands, as the Bible would describe him, uh, as knowing the end or the beginning to the end. He has access to all power, all wisdom. In other words, there's nothing that can surprise God. God can't be surprised. The fullness of God, understanding the end from the beginning, he has that power. But he also has the fullness of the human experience, the finite experience. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis that we were made in his image. I know that most religious and theological work tries to put what we think about God on God. In other words, God is made in our image. And that's one of the reasons why you didn't like church. That's one of the reasons why you had a bad experience. Because the God that people serve, people can shape and make it sound like that's the only God there is. But there is a God that engages with all of us in our own unique ways. And there are some things you won't learn about God until you get bad news. You're not going to know that God until you get bad news. And it's not that God is sending it as they're wrestling with, God, if you were here, I wouldn't have died. If you were here, he wouldn't have died. There is a tension to say, God, your fullness, Jesus, your, your power, where was it? But in that moment, somehow we see the range of the fullness of God and that Jesus actually wept. I want you to think about this. Jesus actually felt sorrow. Jesus actually felt grief. Jesus felt something. He experienced something. It touched him deeply. And we know the story. We know that Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. We know that. That's what the Bible is going to continue to say. It's going to say that Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. He knows that, but yet he's weeping. He knows that what he's going to do, but yet he's still feeling something. Here, here's, what, here's what bothered me. Because as the news broke of Kobe and Gigi and all the others on on the uh, helicopter that passed away, you, you got a sense, if you guys were paying attention to this, tell me if this bothered you too. You got a sense of this mishandling, this profitable, this, this, this taking and pimping of their story. Do you know that some members in his family actually heard about his death on social media? Not even a family member calling. They literally, and the pictures, and the jerseys, and the posts, and the videos. What do the players think? What, how was their reaction? What is the coach? You saw this evilness of the handling of this moment. That, that, had to, 
For me, it scared me. It reminded me of what Jesus said. What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 was that at the end of time, before the Son of Man comes, Jesus said, before I show up, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be some problems. And, and we believe that the Bible is teaching us that we are living in those days. Jesus said, he said, they said, his disciples one day said, tell us what's going to happen. When are you showing up? What's going to be the end? Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. Many will say, I'm the Messiah, and will deceive many. Do you see how, I'm, I'm not even, deep fakes is one thing. You know, the AI, the fake videos, they're trying to work that out for the election because there's going to be a whole bunch of fake videos saying this and this and that. Like, deception's really easy to do. But this is a deeper deception. This is a spiritual deception. This is buying into what the culture is teaching. Here's what he said. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. I thought three weeks ago we were getting ready to go to war with Iran. That's what I thought. That was all over the place. Just three weeks ago, we're going to war. Okay? You will see these things, but church, you're not supposed to be alarmed. Such things will happen. But the end hasn't come yet. It says nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes, fires in various places. All these things are, look at what Jesus says, the beginning of birth pains. Any sisters had a child in here? What, what that, basically what he's saying is when you start having the labor contractions, it's too late. You can't be like, oh, I'm good. Maybe we'll have the baby in a couple weeks. I'm fine. Let's just, can we just not? No. When the, when the pains come, you know that baby is coming. Jesus said when that comes, it's wrapping up. Here's what he says. Then you will be handed over and persecuted. Not so good news there. And be put to bed. You will be hated by the nations because of me. And that time, many, this is what I wanted to show you. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Here's the one that's worse. And many false prophets will be, appear and deceive many people. Here's what I want to land right here. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. No love for your story. No love for your situation. No love for your problem. No love for your tragedy. It's, it's bad news. And how do we handle bad news? We've seen it. We've seen what the media did with him. It's unbalanced. And because here's why. Because grief is a process. Grief is a process. When you lose something or lose someone, there is a process involved with grief. There's many stages. There's many things. You can look it up on Google later, the different stages of grief. But there's a process when you get bad news. There's a process when you lose something, when you lose your physical ability, when you lose your financial mobility, when you lose someone to death. There is a process that you go through. And here's, here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to keep you in balance. He wants to mess up your process. Here's what it would look like. In some ways, he wants you to get through it too fast. He wants you to skip stuff. He wants you to go from here to there. Just, just forget about it. And some of us, that's where our addictions come from. Some of us, that's where our, 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 our behaviors, they come from hiding the pain because you have not fully healed because you have not gone through the process. 
You skipped from here sometimes too fast. Other times the enemy, you know what he wants to do? He wants you to go too slow. He wants you to stay in denial. He just wants you to stay in that. He just wants you to stay being angry. He just, if he can just hold you right there, just be angry. Just be angry at people. Just be angry at God. Just forget it never happened. Nothing happened. The trauma, no, that didn't really happen. It's a memory. Just, just forget about it. Just numb yourself. Just let it go. No, there's a process. And if the devil can get you going too fast, or if he can get you going too slow, or which a lot of people he can do is get you to stay right where you are. It's called being stuck. And here, here's what research says. We talk a lot about emotional healing in this church. Research says you are emotionally the age of your trauma. That's your emotional age. If you've experienced trauma, and I can go around the room and guarantee you, everybody's experienced some trauma, some life-altering trauma. And whatever age you were at that trauma, that's your emotional age. And unless you get healing, and unless you get recovery, and unless you get help, you will be stuck at that trauma. And if the devil can get you to stay in the process, if he can get you messed up, he can mess you up with bad news. So the tension is here. Jesus, these are real tears. There is a grieving process. I wish I had time to fully preach this. That Jesus goes through these stages of grief. Some might suggest, I've always thought this, that I don't, it, it's not clear what Jesus is really bothered by. When it says that these feelings of anger was coming up in him and he was feeling frustrated and he was touched, it doesn't really explain. Scholars don't really agree with what he was upset about. He could have been upset about the haters. He could have been upset about the fact that death had to come. He could have been upset about a lot of things, but in him, he was just touched about it. I wondered if he, if he saw himself, if he knew that he was going to the cross and he just looked and saw what it would be like for those to mourn after him, what it would be like for those who really their faith dropped in him. But whatever the case was, the Bible says that Jesus wept. And I want you to know that. That power and information does not change the process. Jesus had information. I can raise him from the dead. In fact, I'm getting ready to do that. But it doesn't change the process. I'm trying to encourage us that we're going to live, we live in times of bad news, not just privately, not just personally. But publicly, can I go back to Matthew chapter 24? I want to finish back in verses 12 to 14 because I want to give you some something to let you leave with that's positive. He says that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will wax cold. Bad news, right? Fires, famines, hatred, war, sickness, disease, racism, sexism, ableism, problems over and over again. Coming, coming, no stop. Bible says in verse 13, Jesus says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Well, how are we supposed to stand? How are we supposed to stand? Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations 
Then Jesus says, if you can remember what he was saying each time these bad news comes, that it's not the end. He says, when the gospel is preached, guess what? Then the end's going to come. This is good. This is good. This is really, really good. I'm going to need to high five somebody. I'm looking for somebody to give me a high five. Give me a high five on this. This is going to be so good. Check this out. Because there's bad news, there has to be good news. No, 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 no. I'm working on this side. Because there's bad news, God says, I'm going to give some good news. Because the only reason there's bad news is because there's good news. What makes the news bad is because there's good news. And the good news is that it's going to end with the church on top. It's going to end with the gospel being proclaimed. That we're not going to be running. We're not going to be hiding. We're not going to be cowering. We are going to be standing. He says, he who stands until the end. It doesn't say he or she who hides until the end. Not the doomsday preppers. Get the guns and the veggie links and hide, dig a hole. No, it's we're going to be standing. And here's why we're going to be standing. Because we have allowed the processes of human emotion to play through in a healthy way. Jesus is demonstrating to us that he feels our grief. He feels our pain. He is not one who is not touched by our human experience. He is in the midst of it. And what I love about what he proclaims, I believe I gave you Isaiah chapter 61. I hope I did. Uh, he, this is Jesus. This is Jesus' speech. This is what he came to do. The Bible says he quotes this in Luke. But here's where he gets it from. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is his, this is his manifesto. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Poor people get a lot of bad news. Not just financially poor, but spiritually poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. People are brokenhearted when they get bad news. To proclaim freedom to the captives. Anybody in jail, anybody bound by an issue or in their process. He says, I'm coming to proclaim freedom. And to release the, from darkness for the prisoners. I've come to set people free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Look what he says, to comfort those, to comfort all who mourn. There's nothing wrong with mourning. Come on, we can praise him for that. It's nothing wrong with mourning. This culture wants to teach us the wrong way to deal with life. This culture wants to mishandle stuff. It wants to say, here's a story, here's my Instagram post and my hashtag, and I'm going to move on to the Super Bowl. It doesn't work that way. We value each other in the church. The church shows the world how to do it. Look what he says here in this one. And to, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them, one of the beautiful, most beautiful verses in the Bible, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks. Y'all know what oaks are, right? They will be oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord 
for the display of his splendor. I'll just, I'll just keep going. They will build, oh yeah, this is finished. It's too good. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the renewed cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive rejoice and inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, look what he says. I love justice. That's a good one, Matt. I love justice. I love things to be made right. I love for things to come together, for people to receive what is due to them. I hate robbery. I hate wrongdoing. I hate mishandling of people. I hate the way we maximize on someone's suffering. I hate the way death is. I hate violence. I hate sickness. I hate anything that's taking from what I want for my people. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Here's what I want to leave you with. Jesus is saying to us, you're going to get bad news. You're going to get bad news and you're going to get good news. But I am going to be with you whether it's bad news or good news. I'm willing to be involved in the midst of it, whether it's good news or bad news. And Jesus wept, tells me everything I need to know about a God who understands when I'm suffering, a God who understands when I'm stuck, a God who understands when I need him. Jesus can weep over his own friend. He can weep over you, and he's weeping over you. Here's what his invitation is. His invitation is to invite me. Can you just invite me? They said, go get Jesus. There's a problem. Sometimes all you got to do is just call out to him. Just go get Jesus. When it's bad news, just go tell God. When it's bad news, just run to the Father. It may not be something that's healed overnight. It may not be something that will ever be fixed. But God says, I will be with you in the midst of the bad news. And I've got some good news because I love justice. And you may not see it on this earth, but you will see it on the earth to come. And you're living in the last days where things are wrapping up. And God is looking for people who want to stand, looking for people who want to get healed, who want to have freedom, who don't want to be stuck in the process. But when they understand, I can get healing from bad news, I can help other people who hear bad news and so we say this every week and I want to close with this and I want to pray for us we talk about getting in the flow and getting in the flow is not just a catchy phrase it's not just something we say all the time it's really something that we believe is life changing getting in the flow simply means you've invited God into your experience and I know there's people in this room who have dealt with loss dealt with death, dealt with pain already this year. And if the devil could, he could discourage you. 
If the devil could, he could put you back where you were. If he could, he could make you go back to the old stuff. And God is saying, don't go back to the old stuff. Just invite me into it, and I will walk with you in every stage of the process. And we're going to get through this thing. We're going to get some healing. Some of you just need to get started. Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm really not there right now. I might be like on stage one. I really can't deal with the fact I lost my dad. I really can't deal with the fact I didn't have a childhood. I really can't deal with the fact I was hurt as a child. I really can't deal with the fact of my sexual molestation. I really can't deal with that. I can't deal with the divorce. I can't deal with the betrayal. I'm not there yet. Jesus is like, that's okay. Just invite me. We'll get started right where you are. Some of us need to be baptized because we, are, we already have made the decision to get started. Here's the problem. We ain't told nobody about it. It's just a weekend flame. Did that hurt? Do you got some steel? You got some steel toe boots, huh? Guys, like, hey, if, if you want me to be the side chick, I, I don't really want that. I want your heart. Like, I want you to put a ring on it. Get involved. Get invitational. Get generous. I want to pray for us today. It's a close today. And I want to pray a specific prayer that for those who are dealing with bad news, those who have are dealing with death and loss. And I really want to pray for a lot of people. I'm, I'm not going to be judgmental about this. There are a lot of people who struggle with bad news. There are a lot of people who, for them, Kobe Bryant's death was earth-shattering. They may have never met him, but it meant something to them. And I know how it felt when I saw and I heard that he didn't just die, that it wasn't just him, but he died with his daughter, and I saw, that's why I had to turn off social media, because I saw those conversations. I know what those leaning over conversations with my daughter mean to me. Some people who are saying, that's proof right there. There is no God. Because God wouldn't let anybody go through that. He was a good person. Why wouldn't be somebody else? And God says, I'll go wherever you invite me. Invite me in the process, because I can journey with you. So I want to pray for us today, a specific prayer. I want to pray for those who are making decisions today. Any of these decisions or whatever is decisions you want to make. But I want to pray for those who specifically are dealing with grief. And I want to pray for uh, this nation and the churches around this nation to come alongside of those who are hurting. Father, we just pray today. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving for Jesus who feels our pain, who suffers with us. He is not a He's not a savior that doesn't know how we feel. And I thank you for that short little verse in the Bible. Some versions, two words that says, Jesus wept. And what that does, Lord, is it gives us freedom to weep. It gives us freedom to allow our heart access and allow you to access our heart. I pray today for those specifically in this church who are dealing with death and loss. They've lost someone. They've lost something. They've lost an ability. They've lost some things or they're losing some things. They've lost a job. They've lost a person close to them. And they're wrestling with these things. And I pray, Father, that you will promise to them. They will hear your voice promising that you will walk through them during the steps at the pace that is healthy and that is good. And I pray for freedom. I pray for deliverance. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for healing. I pray for stability and balance to come to them. For those who are not sleeping, I pray for rest. For those who are not eating, I pray that they'll be nourished. 
I pray for those who are confused, that they will find understanding. Those who are angry, that they'll find peace. Those who are frustrated will find order. And I pray now that you will heal us from the oldest to the youngest. Lord, that you will bring a spirit of healing even now in this moment. Thank you for this church. Thank you for those around us who are willing to journey with us. And we celebrate that bad news doesn't always last. But the gospel that we believe in is eternal and everlasting. And it will be proclaimed until you come. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate somebody who got some freedom. Somebody who got some joy.